T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Back to more John Chuckery. This party's gonna rock. Make some noise! Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Rob Triple in for John Chuckery, Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. And mercifully, the Falcons will close the curtain on a very frustrating yet exhilarating yet exasperating, befuddling season. This is the best way I can sum the whole thing up. But as I've said before, and I've noticed uh, when I do the Falcons flyover, and mercifully I have to do my final Falcons flyover on a Sunday night after the Buccaneers come down. By the way, Tom Brady says he plans to play. Why? Is this way he's like, I'm not ducking anybody. It'd be nice to finally get a victory over him. I know that would kind of hurt the draft. Slotting, but there's still a lot of value in the NFL draft. People act like the NFL draft is like the NBA draft. Well, if you don't, if you're drafting out of the lottery, you can't find any. There's nothing but trash. No, the NFL draft is designed, and this is the way they evaluate. Anybody drafted in the first three rounds of the NFL draft are expected to be starters. Your first rounders are expected to be perennial Pro Bowlers. Second rounders. Consummate pros, occasional pro bowlers, and all pros. Third rounders, serviceable professionals who can still make a valid contribution to your team. But everybody thinks, well, Falcons fall out of the top ten. They're going to get nothing but trash. Do you know where Tyler Algier was drafted? I don't know. Ask yourself. Yes, Dylan Matthews. He's holding up a five. Yes. How brilliant has he been this year? What a revelation that kid has been. I actually liked him when the Falcons drafted him because I, for some reason, I remember last year when he was playing at BYU, I saw one of his games. I go, who's this kid? And he was getting the yak yards, yards after contacts. Wow, this dude's a cinder block. And then when the Falcons drafted him, I was intrigued. I went back and looked at his highlights. go, wow, this dude's a beast. This is a guy you get tired of tackling. 5'11", 230-pound Martibus, basically, is what he is. You know, Rob, I really wanted – not last year's draft where we got Algier, but the year before that, I really wanted the Falcons to draft Javante Williams and actually yes. trade it back with the Broncos, who then went on to draft yes. Javante Williams. Yes. I was very upset because yeah. I love Javante Williams. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not so upset because now we got you're Tyler not so Algier. upset. It kind of worked out. It worked it? out. So let's think about what this team does have right now. Do they have their quarterback? Maybe. Here's what I ultimately think. I think he's going to be just fine. He's going to be just fine. He has shown 
a level of maturity that's been impressive. And I'm only going on three games. Now you're sitting there thinking, well, you're just grasping at straws to find something positive about him. We need to go out and get C.J. Stroud. We need to go out, blah, 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 blah. You do realize about a maybe a little bit over half of all first-round quarterbacks end up being, here's that word, busts. There's no guarantees. He showed a lot. And I think that final drive to set up Young Hoku's game winner showed a lot. And that's going to be massive for him. I know he hasn't had a touchdown pass yet. I think he had one to Cordero Patterson was dropped, right? And the funny thing about Sunday was the fact that I had to I had to deal with the Falcons after watching those two playoff games. And I, I, here's what I said on Sunday when I walked in. Man, watching Georgia play Ohio State, watching TCU play Michigan, that's like having a blind date with the most enchanting, charming, gorgeous, sexy, cute woman. She's so engaging. She laughs at all your jokes. All of her mannerisms are adorable. She almost finishes your, your, your sentences. It's almost like love at first sight. That's what Saturday was. Sunday, when I came in and had to deal with the Falcons, that's like dealing with an asexual, frigid school marm with a toxic personality disorder who lives with 1920 cats. That was the difference. But you know what I did? I fell on the grenade, and I did it for you. No, I actually, I'll tell you exactly what happened on Sunday. I'll admit this because this was my show on Sunday. I figured this is going to be my bit. So on Sunday, after watching Georgia, I went back to my establishment to have some lunch. I go, well, I guess I'm going to hold my nose and watch the Falcons. Then my buddy started showing up, and all we could talk about was everything other than the Falcons. And the Falcons game is on. I go, you're watching this garbage. And I'm going to go in and do the Falcons flyover and admit that I'm not going to watch a meaningless NFL game. And that's what I did. I did my show based on the fact that I was derelict in my duty. I came in admitting I didn't watch that damn game. I, may have, I might have seen three plays, and I saw maybe a couple of plays on the final drive, and I saw the game-winning field goal because I didn't have to. I can tell what Desmond Ritter did by how people are going to react, and apparently he did just fine. And apparently now it's being kind of leaked that Terry Fontenot may spend all this money. The fact, This is why I'm optimistic, by the way. He may spend a lot of this money on the defense. Deron Payne, that's an intriguing option. And this draft, this draft is deep with edge rushers and defensive linemen. You've got two of them up there at Clemson, Brian Breesey and the other kid. Okay, TCU, all these kids. Now, what I'd like to see the Falcons do, supplement that offensive line with veteran free agents. Now, the best ones out there, your best tackles, they've already re-upped with their teams or they've already gotten their deals. There's still a lot of good pieces out there to supplement a pretty good run-blocking, a very good run-blocking offensive line, mainly thanks to uh, Chris Lindstrom. And Caleb McGarry's playing out of his mind. They're going to have to pay him, maybe. I don't know. Can you find an upgrade from that? Maybe. Maybe the only thing that uh, motivated Caleb McGarry is the fact they did not pick up his option. So he's playing basically on a one-year prove-it deal. Well, but you also have that innate chemistry within that unit, too, between him and Chris Lindstrom. Did Dylan, did I read this right? I know how good Lindstrom's been, arguably probably the best guard in the NFL right now. You could say that. He got called for holding. Was that the first one in his career? 
Did I see that? I believe so. Isn't that yeah. crazy? That's wild. That's his third year, pro bowler. Amazing kid to interview, too. Good good Massachusetts boy from Dudley, Massachusetts. Of course, went to a Boston College. Supplement that offensive line with some veterans. And how long before Jake Matthews may have to move over to the other tackle? I think he still has something left. He's been just fine as a sixth overall pick. Maybe expected a perennial pro bowler, but he's certainly been a stalwart, as they say. A solid piece there. And then on defense, I don't even want to hear about drafting a quarterback. Go out and get – there's a bunch of journeymen – Taylor Heineke, Tino Smith. I think Seattle may bring him back. There's a lot of guys out there, though. You just need somebody to come into camp and push Desmond Ritter because I do think he's a guy – I think he's going to be just fine. He, I don't think he's going to be a liability. I don't think he's going to cost you any games. I just don't think so. Is he going to be spectacular? No, he's not going to be Josh Allen. No, he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be any of those guys. But he could certainly be a good piece going forward. And so far, so good. But what I want the Falcons to do, and there is nothing in the world sexier as a fan base than to have this demonic, angry, intimidating defense. And I was talking about this on the Falcons flyover on Sunday. Think about all those teams that are known to have legendary defenses, the Steel Curtain, those Ravens teams. The 85 Bears, basically, when a team goes to play a team with a defense like that, you're already down 7 nothing. if you ask me. And nothing gets a fan base more excited than just a vicious, intimidating defense where they all collectively get together after a game and eat a box of light bulbs. And they all have bolts in their neck. That's what I want. That's what this fan base wants. And if you get that going, you supplement that, with the running game you have now, guess what? That's never gone out of style. It's not, Well, it's maybe gone out of style, but you have never not been able to win in the NFL with a very, very good defense and a solid running game. You will always be able to win in the NFL. I know you have the greatest show on turf, people throwing the ball over the yard. Now I get that. But this Falcons team is uniquely set up. Now think about this. We've been over this before, kids. Every year, about six or seven different teams make the playoffs. You cannot tell me that the Falcons cannot go out and win 11 games next year. I'm not delusional. I, I came to work sober. I believe this. If Terry Fontenot is who I think he is, and guess what? He did a lot to help Sean Payton build that uh, Saints team, those Saints teams that went on that run with Drew Brees and company. And he seems like he knows what he's doing. And I think he does based on what they've done this year. Now, we've had some of the worst calls in the Falcons flyover about, well, how do you expect to win a, with a team like this, blah, blah, blah. People don't understand the financial realities of what the Falcons are going through. You know what Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot are dealing with right now, financially speaking? It's the equivalent of being handcuffed with your ankles duct taped together, a plastic bag over your head, and you're thrown into the Hudson River. That's what it is. You, there's not much they can do under these financial circumstances. But luckily, a ton of money is going to freed up, be freed up next year. You get your draft picks. I think Arthur has definitely instilled a certain culture on this team and a definite identity. And it, it's still funny how if you have a team that runs the ball really well, there's most fan bases really appreciate that and love that. Yes, it's fun to – see a guy throw for 400 yards, but there's something primal 
It's why we like the gladiator sports. It's why they went to the Roman Coliseum to see the gladiators. When a team can just run a ball down in the opposition's throat and then their defense can hold that other team to nothing, that is sexy football right there. If I can get that for my Falcons team, I will watch every week naked with nothing but cowboy boots on. I don't own cowboy boots, but I will go out and buy some cowboy boots if that's the type of team I can get. Socks or no socks? No, no, never socks. Never socks. <laughs> hey, let's hear uh, from Arthur Smith on the emergence of Tyler Algiers and everything it means. Certainly you have plans going in. But a lot of times those things can be altered, so you have contingency plans. And some of it's out of necessity where we were early in the year. CP was carrying the load at, at running back and doing a good job with it. And, but it was out of necessity as we, you know, we had the injuries to Damian right away and then bringing some of the young players along. And then it's kind of as you shift to making sure the right guys and that can help you in the right spots. And um, when you lose Kyle, you're trying to look for other solutions and CP is a unique player. And so yesterday, you know, you saw him a little, uh, the ball found him a little bit more in the passing game, which is, which is huge. And he had some big runs for us. So that's what you want. You, if, you, if you have a player like CP, it's a credit to him because he can play so many roles and be effective at it. There's one thing to just line the guy out there. And they may not cover him. They don't think you're going to throw it or he can't win on a route, but he can. So it certainly helps. Um, but a lot of times going back, things happen. It's kind of out of, because it's, you have no other options. It's, and, uh, yeah, he's another guy. Enjoy, really enjoy coaching. Well, and plus, you know, the emergence of Tyler Algier, that means you can kind of, you don't have to. Uh, Cordero Patterson ran out of gas last year. He was overly relied upon, been hurt this year, but can still be such a good weapon for this team for the next couple of years. Is this what, was Arthur had like a nervous twitch? He was just doing this as he was talking. Is he just playing like bongos on the microphone or something and tapping? He does that all the time. Like when, like when we usually do like a Falcons flower segment here on John Chuggery Show and play Arthur Smith, there's always that doom, doom, doom. Like he, <laughs> there's always that. So he must just be tapping on the microphone. I don't know. Knowing Arthur, I, I think he probably does that just as a bit of a subtle troll to people. You know what I mean? Just Because I know he doesn't necessarily like dealing with the media. Like I said, every time I see him, in front of the media, after a game, regardless, win or law, lose, he looks like he's waiting for his laxative to kick in. He does. He's just like, when is this Metamucil going to help me clean out my plumbing? I mean, it's, it's just the weirdest thing, certainly. But Falcons and uh, getting ready for uh, the Bucks, who have already clinched the division. And Tom Brady certainly plans on playing. So we're going to delve into that matchup next. And here's some more from uh, Arthur Smith and uh, also Desmond Ritter as well. And uh, I think he's going to be just fine. Supplement the offensive line, draft for defense, go from there, 11-win team next year. Maybe magic can happen. I think we have our coach. Rob Tribblin for John Chuckery, Sports Radio, 1990 Game. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. 
Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Rob Trimble for John Chuckery, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. The Hawks are back in action tomorrow night. Free game at 9.30. I guess that means I have a shortened show, right? Yay. <laughs> Taking on the Kings. They lose to a depleted Golden State last night. No Steph Curry. And same old, same old. We'll, we'll deal with the Hawks coming up a little bit later on. But uh, right now, still talking about the Falcons and, um, well, the development of uh, Desmond Ritter, hopefully. A lot of people are focusing on what Brock Purdy's doing out there in San Francisco, the uh, Mr. Irrelevant, last guy chosen in the draft, and he's played very, very well. But he has a unique advantage that the Falcons don't have. He has one of the best defenses in the NFL. That's a, that's a major, major comfort. You don't feel like you have to be perfect. Now, credit to the Falcons, though. The defense this year, through hook or crook, and I don't know how they've – well, I do know how they've done it. They've, they've played a lot of trash quarterbacks. There's been a lot of trash quarterbacks and trash football this year in the NFL. But if you look at some of their games this year, especially recently, 19 points given up, 17, 21, 19, 24, 25, 20, 14. There have been some outliers. They've given up 35 points, 37, 31, blah, blah, blah. But somehow – They've been able to keep the offense in games, certainly. And how many times have we seen them this year come up with a potential stop that could help the Falcons win in the last possession only to have Marcus Mariota throw an interception or fumble a snap or something weird like that. It's been a, it's been a maddening year. Now, certainly, I predicted the Falcons would win seven games preseason. They went on Sunday. They get their seventh victory. I knew they weren't as bad as the national pundits Thought they were because they're lazy. They're just lazy. Well, clearly, you're, that's just a two, three-win team. That's just lazy. I knew better than that. But I had no idea that the rest of the division would be so bad that the Falcons would be in playoff contention up until the Ravens lost, what, last week. And uh, that made my job easier, and that was, that was my fundamental wish. And this has actually been a somewhat gratifying year. If I can get out of my feelings and emotions on the week-to-week basis following this team and how much they drive me crazy. But my only plea to this team in the preseason, be interesting, be competitive. They've done all those things, and they certainly have been interesting. Sometimes in ways that uh, we don't necessarily like, maddeningly interesting, but at least it's interesting and compelling, and that's what it's been. And I think things are uh, looking up for this franchise with the realities of the financial uh, clouds lifting next year. But as for uh, Desmond Ritter, finally getting his first win, and don't underestimate the importance of that final drive where he leads them to a victory. That does a ton for his confidence. And here's what uh, the Falcons quarterback had to say on getting his first win as an NFL starter. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, you can't take anything for granted. Um, and this is one thing, obviously, I do not take it for granted. Um, and, you know, coming out here next week, this will obviously be my last game of our, of our rookie season. Um, and, and so, you know, we're not taking any of these games for granted, um, any of these plays for granted. Um, you know, Grady Jarrett, one of our leaders on our team, brought us up. And he said, man, we only get two more opportunities to do this. Um, and, you know, everyone kind of took that, and that's something that we roll with. Well, there you have it. And one thing, what do you have to do? You have to be calm, have some composure in a situation where you're trying to lead your team down the field to win on the last possession of the game. And uh, Desmond Ritter thinks that, uh, well, he somewhat accomplished that. You know, first of all, just the calmness. Um, you know, just going out there. Um, not necessarily saying you've been in those moments before, before excuse me, um, but to just go out there, see that you're calm, composed, and, you know, can execute things. Um, that's going to, you know, just kind of filter off to the other guys. And, um, you know, they're going to, you know, want to execute more or execute better. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's just being calm, being poised, um, and everyone else sees that and feels that and goes out there and executes. I read something on Twitter just cracked me up. Dylan, I think I told you this for the show. Yeah, I did. Desmond Ritter sounds like Matt Ryan with a cold. <laughs> that is pretty funny. But you remember Matt Ryan when he talked, he sometimes is act like his voice would change. His voice would crack, you know, this, that, and the other. Right. I mean, he is like, Matt, you know you have a deeper register that you can go to. I mean, we all heard it. When you told everybody to get bleeping set, your voice got pretty deep <laughs> That's then. Right. Where where'd that go? There was that one time where Michael Jackson let it slip. Oh yeah. You remember that? I remember Can we can we find that? That'd be I'm funny. Gonna, yeah, I'm gonna try to find try it. Try to find it. He kind of did this for a second. Then he went back up to where he normally was. Go, Tito. But uh, Desmond Ritter, as far as throwing the ball, certainly a much better arm than Marcus Mariota. And uh, he did have that one throw a couple weeks ago, sidearm throw to Drake London, which had quite the zip on it. Better arm talent than you give him credit for. Does he have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert arm talent? No, of course not. No, he doesn't. But here's Desmond Ritter talking about how his throwing has evolved over his first two starts. Um, you know, obviously we only pushed it down the field a couple of times. Um, but, you know, I felt like I took what was there. Um, a couple times early, felt a little pressure, and that might have mixed up my footwork a little bit. Um, I know the one over the middle to Drake on the early on. Um, but other than that, you know, I felt like I took what was there. I felt like I did a good job. Um, the O-line gave me plenty of time back there. Um, and then, you know, when there was pressure, I felt like I did a good job of, you know, making plays with my legs um, and, and, you know, taking it when it wasn't there. Well, there you have it. And as for the head coach, Arthur Smith, I wonder, as he looks back, does he regret not getting Desmond Ritter into the games sooner? I wonder that. I know last year he regretted not playing his starters more in the preseason. But see, here's what happens. As a head coach, you evolve. You don't think Kirby Smart has evolved as a head coach with that timeout he called the other night compared to uh, some of his blunders with time management, that that ill-fated uh, fake punt call in the SEC championship game with uh, Justin Fields back there fielding that. Arthur Smith is regarded by many of his peers as one of the smartest guys in the league, smartest coaches he is. And uh, it seems like he's a, he's a guy that, Learns from, I hope he is. He's a guy that learns from his mistakes. I'm a staunch Arthur Smith defender. Unless things go sideways next year. It's a results business, Arthur. He knows that. He knows that. But Desmond Ritter has had 206 NFL snaps as a starter. What does Arthur Smith think about that number and what he can deduce from it?
what the perfect number is. I mean, it's uh -huh. just, you know, the improvement, functioning, you know, can he do the minimum job requirement, you know, delivering the football and he's called on, and can he continue to improve? You can cut up stats however you need to. I mean, I'm certainly, we want to improve in the passing attack and, and, and be more balanced. I've talked about that a lot and be able to win games. I mean, he's done pretty well situationally. And, uh, you know, we'll have another challenge Sunday against Tampa. You know, regardless of who's out there and what their strategy is, we'll see how the week goes there. Uh, we got to get ready to play a really good scheme and really good defense. You know, last time you guys played Tampa, it was, I'll call it mildly controversial at the end, perhaps. Um, does that come up at all this week? No. There's no bearing on this game, you know. It'd be a different set of circumstances, and, you know, it's a, it's a game we're looking forward to playing and try to get another one at home. All right, so now what is the next step in the progression the progression of Desmond Ritter. Well, he has an opinion on that. Um, it's just about finishing, um, doing whatever you can to win. Um, you know, you know, and I'll go back into this next week and you know see what, what I could have done better from this past game, um, and then obviously keep continuing to try to get better. There you go. As for a Tyler Algier, what a revelation he's been this year. I can't imagine what it was like for those Ravens defenders. They have to tackle a guy like that when it's about nine degrees outside. You just have to, especially if you're like a linebacker or a defensive back with a guy 5'11", 200, what, 15, 20 pounds coming at you, just like a ball-peen hammer, you get tired of tackling. It can break your will. Well, Grady Jarrett has a lot of good things to say about Tyler Algier. I mean, he's been an amazing spark for us, man. I think uh, whenever we needed to play on offense, he just his numbers keep coming up. You know, whether it's in the screen game, the run game, uh, making stuff happen after contact. You know what I'm saying? I think he just epitomizes what his team is about: toughness, grit, and um, he's he gonna have a really, really bright future. If he stays healthy, and I sure, I sure as hell hope he does, because uh, playing a running back can be a very difficult thing after a while. But what a great year he's had, though, his rookie year, certainly. 5'10", I just <laughs> can imagine having to deal with that. But what a great year. What a revelation. He should be a pro bowler, if you ask me. If He's got to be in – is he possibly in the conversation for rookie of the year? He's got to be, right? Who was the rookie of the year off the top of your head? I, I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank right now. Honestly, I'm blanking, too. I, I can't even think of who it would – Honestly, be I. Have, I have to. Look, I'm going to look up some candidates, and it'll yeah, we'll, it'll we'll, come to me. We'll, we'll get onto that. And of course, we're going to get into the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, as things currently stand right now, Demar Hamlin's still in critical condition, but he's still hanging around and uh, fighting like a dog after that heart attack last night. And uh, of course, we're uh, got a lot of uh, good vibes uh, being sent up there to Cincinnati, certainly. And I, I feel so horrible for uh, all those guys on the field. I can't imagine what that's like. Cannot imagine. The only similar thing, vaguely, vaguely similar, when I was playing baseball at West Georgia, our second baseman, our very stocky right fielder, they collided, they butted heads. And our second baseman, a little scrappy guy, had a horrible concussion. His eye was just basically slammed shut, and that was and he was down. He did not get up. He got knocked out cold. I can't imagine and we were all hyper-concerned. That was our boy, you know, and that, that's what those guys I – mean, that's our boy. Hammond's our boy. What's going on? Jeez. That's just got to be the most traumatic thing imaginable. But Falcons and Buccaneers on Sunday to close out the uh, year. 
You can't tell me now Tom Brady's not coming back after what he's been doing lately. Isn't it funny how the old guys, like um, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, we were basically burying their careers Well, they're going to ride off into the sunset. Now we have Justin Herbert. Now we have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, who's that dude, of course. So these guys still have something to say. Packers, if they beat the Lions, and this game got flexed to prime time, too. When, when's the last time you saw the Lions flex to prime time? Hasn't been very often. I think the Lions have to uh, – I think Seattle has to either lose or tie the Rams for uh, Detroit to get into the playoffs. If the Packers win, they're in. After where they came from, there's been a lot of teams that have basically come back from the depths of hell to fight for a playoff spot. Does this mean – are one of these teams, due to what they've done – coming back the way they have and showing that resiliency, does that carry them through all the way through the conference finals? And do we get a wild-card team winning the Super Bowl this year? Of course, anything could happen. That's why they play the games. Just real quick, Rob, on the Rookie of the Year discussion, I'm seeing some places they got they're talking about Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Brock Purdy's name is in there, Kenneth uh, Walker is in there, Christian Watson, the wide receiver from the Packers. Purdy didn't they're play in there. Yeah, Sauce Gardner. So. Oh, well. Well, but, he's, he's AFC, though. He, yeah. he could be the NFC rookie of the year. He right? could be. He could be. So, I don't see why not, especially if he gets to 1,000 yards rushing when he was in active week one. Right. Unbelievable. And I guess they just didn't see enough of him to put him in there week one. But I don't know. It's an ever-evolving thing. Arthur Smith trying to learn from his mistakes, and I hope he does. And uh, he's still in a honeymoon period as far as I'm concerned because I feel like he's a really good coach. Yes, you can poke some holes in his play calling here and there. I get that. It's never going to be perfect, but – Overall philosophy and the culture he's established with our GM, his franchise is in good hands. Are the Hawks in good hands? No. I'll explain next. Sports Radio 1990 game. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. All right. Let me uh, clear the bile out of my mouth. Let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks. They're driving me absolutely bonkers. I, this is my team. I've followed them for decades and decades. I, I sat through the 90s when they were traditionally losing 50 games a year, sometimes even more than that. It took them up until Mike Budenholzer took over, what, eight years ago now? They finally get to the Eastern Conference Finals. A couple of years ago, they get there. And if Trey Young does not step on the official's uh, foot and uh, sprain his ankle, I think the Hawks get to the Finals. They may have beaten Phoenix that year. But ever since then, it's been diminishing returns. And uh, – when Nate McMillan took over for Lloyd Pierce, he kept Lloyd Pierce's assistance on his staff. That's the year they went on that magical run. Following season, though, Nate Desire decides get rid of Lloyd Pierce's assistance and bring in his own guys. I can understand that, certainly. If you're a new athletic director, if you're a new GM, you want to get your guy in there. You want to get your guys in there, but you see what the results have been the last couple of years, though. Last year, we have to hear about how they're bored with a regular season. That's what, that's what Trey Young said. And I'm not going to – I've spent enough time being critical of Trey Young. I think deservedly so. But Nate McMillan perhaps deserves some blame too. 
This is a team without any offensive identity whatsoever. What are they? Are they a three-point shooting team? Is it a, a pick-and-roll team? Is it ISO Trey? I, I don't know. But I will criticize Trey on court. Yes, his assist numbers are up, but it seems like he dribbles, 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 then finally tries to decide to do something if he's not going to shoot with not a lot of time left on the clock where you can't necessarily get a good look. There just seems to be so much wrong with this team. And my fundamental issue has been, how many times after a loss have you heard the players and Nate talk about the fact, well, we were flat. There's no no excuse to ever, for the most part, be flat in the NBA. Yes, it's a long season. You're playing 82 games. Inevitably, there's going to be some nights where you're flat. But this seems to be all too commonplace this year. And you've heard the stuff out there. One unidentified NBA coach told somebody that Nate doesn't like Trey. Trey doesn't like Nate. There's some players in that locker room that don't like Trey. All this stuff. All the wrong things are being talked about when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks. And you talk about Nate McMillan. He had the most weary-sounding soundbite. He goes, I just, the game has changed. I just don't know if I can relate to these players. Paraphrasing, basically. He just sounded like an absolutely crestfallen, fatigued, weary man. And I like Nate. But this doesn't seem to be working. Then I cannot remember. It was it a Sham, what's his name, who covers the NBA. I cannot remember his name. Sham somebody. Help me out. Yes, thank you. See, it's good to have a young, fresh, agile mind working with the old man, one Dylan Matthews, the, uh, the scholarly, bookish-looking, handsome man that he is. He came out last week and said, Nate McMillan strongly considering resigning. Then, of course, we have Steve Coonan on the Dukes and Bell show on Friday when I was hosting for co-hosting for a filling in for Carl, Steve Coonan just blasted it, calling it yellow journalism, this, that, and the other. And then that night, Nate McMillan admits that, well, I'm, I'm going to contemplate retiring at the end of the season, but I understand why Steve Coonan did what he did. You've got to circle the wagons. You have to control the message. You don't let the message control you or you're necessarily defensive, so to speak. I understand that. But you bring in DeJounte Murray, and I thought he and Trey Young, along with John Collins, that would be your big three right there. Kevin Herter, of course, he goes out to Sacramento. He's been lighting it up all year, but I guess financially the Hawks just couldn't justify keeping him around, but good for him. I kind of miss Red Velvet, to be honest with you. Poor John Collins. I feel bad for him. Constantly rumored to be on the trading block. Happened last month. That's got to wear on him. And it just seems like everything is wrong with this team. Constantly squandering, double-digit leads, uninspired defense. I mean, that game in Indianapolis, what was it, last week when they played the Pacers? Yeah, the night before they came home and played Brooklyn. Played very well against Brooklyn without Trey Young, by the way. Played very well. Played very hard. But uh, Kyrie Irving and, uh, and company, they, just weren't, they weren't missing shots. Kevin Durant, they were not missing shots that night. But there's just too many nights they cannot – sustain the necessary level of effort, urgency, passion perhaps. It's like they're just mailing it in. This is a team that's mailing it in. And we were probably thinking about this a couple of years ago when a, when a coaching change was made. In comes Nate McMillan. They get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Everything seemed lost, and then March, 
They woke up. Can that happen this year? Certainly. Will it happen this year? I don't know. I'm just not feeling real confident about it. It seems like right now, as things are currently constituted, especially in the Eastern Conference, it seems like the top five, this is what you're going to be looking at come April. I don't think it's going to change that much. And everybody else vying from the scraps of the table of the top five seeds. I'm just not seeing anything. And I'm not one to go on the radio and say, so-and-so should be fired, something like that. I'm not cavalier about that. But this doesn't seem like it's working. The body language is awful. The expressions on the players' faces, awful. Nate McMillan, he looks like the room he's in smells bad. Every time I see him, it's like the room, he's got this kind of sneer on his face. Something is amiss. Rob, real quick. Yes, sir. If the Hawks don't win a game on this West Coast road trip, Ooh. they come back 17-23 and 23 with 42 games left, and you come back to play Milwaukee at home. Who you have success against for whatever reason. Right. But say you, you lose that Milwaukee game, then that puts you at an eight-game win streak and you're halfway through the season. I mean – is the tire kicked at some point? Is Nate McMillan let go at that point? I mean, are there immediate changes after that if that happens? You know, that's a really good point. This Is this the uh, – will this be the barometer, how they fare on this West Coast trip? And how many games on this trip? What is it? Uh, it's four. four. Three three left now, but four three total. Three left. If they, um, if they go one and three on this trip, it depends on how bad they look in the losses. That's a great point, though. This is something – because the Hawks have had trouble when they go on these West Coast swings. Unless they're under, you know, Coach Bud. And uh, for the most part, it's always been a nightmare scenario for them to go out there and have to have to do the Denver thing. And then, well, we got we to gotta go to Portland. We got to go to Sacramento, L.A., play the Clippers and the Lakers. Dylan, I don't know. I, I, I would think so. How is Tony Ressler feeling about all this? How much is he chirping right now? And the whole thing with Travis Schlink was kind of odd to me. And I offered up, and guys, I have no idea. As a fan, I'm in the opinion business. I'm going to give you my opinion, but I'm always happy to have my mind changed about stuff. I'm not, I'm not a rigid person. But that almost sounded like a coup to me to kind of usher Travis. He's basically out. You know, oh, he's going to be in a, some sort of, okay, yeah, whatever, whatever. And now we got Landry Fields as the uh, GM. I don't know. I, he, he sounds good on the radio. He seems like a, a sharp, lucid guy, but he's only, what, 34 years old, 33? I know that might be the reality of the NBA now because it's a young man's league. Those old-school coaches, they can't relate to the players for the most part. They can't. So how restless is Tony Ressler? What about his – uh? Beautiful wife. Is she leaning on him? You know, we might need to. But who would you bring in, though? I don't know. It just seems like such a frustrating thing. And it seems so anticlimactic because you got the Braves in contention. Certainly, they fell apart in the playoffs this year. That's going to happen in baseball. Falcons are at least showing a bit of a pulse. I think they are. I honestly do. Of course, you got Georgia ruling the college football world. And then when football's over, what do we do? We look to basketball. College basketball, 
Hasn't been relevant in this town in quite some time. Of course, Georgia Tech wins the ACC during the COVID year. Big deal. They have not been, Georgia Tech has not been relevant since the middle part of Paul Hewitt's administration. Georgia basketball is a joke for the most part, although I think they're winning some games this year, but show me in March. So it's such a buzzkill to have to go from football to covering this team. Why should I be interested in you if you're not even interested in yourselves? That's what it feels like. It don't seem like you're even interested in winning. Going through the motions in a toxic environment can be a terrible thing, especially NBA locker rooms are a lot smaller than Major League Baseball locker rooms or NFL locker rooms. You can break off into your cliques and factions, and you can maybe absorb any toxicity due to the sheer numbers of people in the locker room. NBA, though, it's magnified. It is magnified. And it can cast a pall over all of the proceedings. So, I don't know. It just seems like everything coming out of that Hawks locker room is bad. Everything coming out of that Hawks locker room is dysfunctional and hopeless. And in this torturous purgatory of mediocrity, it just sucks. Why can't we win anything in the NBA in this town? I will never know. I will never understand that. And I was so happy when Tony Ressler first took over. I've talked about this many times on the air. I interviewed him right after they unveiled the uh, State Farm Arena and the remodeling. And he told me, I am willing to spend money for a winner in this town. I said, you're willing to put the commas in the checks. He goes, I am willing to put the commas in the checks. This was several years ago. I hope it comes to pass. But as, as things are currently constituted, as a Hawks fan, how interested in you are watching the Hawks play the Kings tomorrow night? How interested are you in seeing them play the Lakers on Friday? Or the Clippers on Sunday? Next home game, by the way, uh, next Wednesday night, the 11th, when the Bucks come to town. Then you get to pay. Uh, they have to go back up. That's a weird scheduling quirk. On the 13th, you go back to Indianapolis and play the play the Pacers where you just absolutely you looked disinterested, you looked bored, you looked like you didn't care. Well, if you don't care, why should we care? And I've been saying this, the Hawks are a sexy product with Trey, and they have been. They're getting less and less sexy though. It's like uh, the person you find sexy is kind of letting themselves go a little bit. They're not their teeth aren't that clean, uh hair's falling out, you're putting on weight. They're developing a muffin top. The muffin top, yes. <laughs> all those things. And if you're not careful, all those rappers and celebrities you see on the front row, they're going to go elsewhere. They're probably going to go up the road to Memphis, maybe. See John ja Morant, right? I don't know. It's a, it's a sad thing. And I hope they can figure it out. And I think uh, we have the right owner to do so. I honestly do. I think he has every bit the passion for his team that Arthur Blank has for the Falcons. And I hope Arthur Blank is uh, as optimistic as I am about his team because I really am. And I cannot wait to see what the Falcons do in the draft, what they do in free agency, because I do have all the faith in the world in Terry Fontenot until I don't. Have all the faith in the world in Arthur Smith until I don't. But I think we need to see significant improvement next year. Like I said, the infrastructure seems to be there, the culture, the identity. But I think the f- person I feel the worst for is Grady Jarrett. That soundbite he had, I think it was after the Ravens game, 
Same blank, different year. And that look on his face, the anguish on his face. We are squandering his best, most productive years. And the bad thing about that, when you're a guy like Grady Jarrett, all of his peers recognize the fact he is a great player. But the fact he has been on these mediocre teams outside of that Super Bowl year, his accomplishments accomplishments are going to basically go unrecognized. And Chuck Smith has talked about that. If you labor in obscurity on a bad team, no matter what what a great player you are, nope. Falcons have had their share of guys like that. We're going to come back, hit some NFL headlines. Jim Harbaugh said he's going to stay at Michigan. Now he's talking to this particular NFL team. Latest on uh, DeMar Hamlin as well. And Joe Buck maintaining something that Troy Vincent says did not happen. All that next. Rob Triple in for John Chuckery, Sports Radio 99 The Game. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T Mobile. You can count on T Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.